0: hey guys Dominic Neshi here with Peter show thanks for coming on the show today thanks for having me back again mate it's awesome doing these with you this is now episode 60 something or other we're really digging into the high numbers now um today we're going to be talking about five key investment ideas that we see emerging in 20 20- um I'm pretty excited about a lot of them. I have got them on the whiteboard just over there. And we really think that these are the opportunities for a lot of you to make some money. Some of them are going to be a little bit scary for you. We're going to test your uh, patience in some and then also some of your your risk appetite. But it all comes with um, a lot of research. It comes with a lot of experience. And it's just what we're seeing in the market. So...
1: We've also got Jenny joining us today. She's our new content producer. She's sitting over there. So welcome Jenny and thanks for being on the program with us. She's gonna help overlay some of the things we're talking about so you have more references and resources.
0: Just to make us a little bit more exciting.
1: Hey? I know, I know. We're, um, we're really stepping it up in season three and um, you know, wait till you see in the next few weeks what we have in store for you.
0: So let's start with idea number one. Mm-hmm. Off the plan contentious right what what we hear a lot about off the plan it all started a couple of years ago with opal tower then there was mascot then there's all sorts of issues it was a dirty dirty word for the past three years many many people consultants your your uncle at the barbecue you know the taxi driver everyone had opinion about off the plan and none of it was positive
1: Yeah, so for those of you that don't know, there are two types of properties. There's a registered property, which is your home that's established, um, and then there's an off-plan property. And an off-plan property is a property that's being constructed or in the process of being constructed but is not yet finished, and so it's not yet registered. The title to that property is not yet registered. And so you can buy a property before it's registered, and it's called off-plan. You're basically buying off the back of plans that have been lodged and approved uh, to build that property. Hopefully approved. Hopefully approved. And, and that's where, as Dom says, is, is where experience is really important and not all off-plan properties are the same. Um, there are a whole range of different things that you should consider, uh, but it's a very, very effective way for people to get into the market and you can do really, really
0: well in buying off-plan property if you know what to do. Someone said to me once that off the plan is like buying property futures. Mm. It's, it's your, your backing that this investment will be worth at least as much as you've paid for it in the hope that it's actually worth more. And in 20, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16, going into 17, we were on a property market um, cycle where the, the market was rising. So when you're buying something at say a million dollars and the market moved by 10%, that property was then worth a million one hundred thousand. Now, if you only put a hundred thousand dollar deposit, you were effectively making a hundred percent return on your investment. You're making your deposit back in the space of twelve to twenty-four months. Now that's what makes it so lucrative and exciting. If you're buying off the plan in the right economic cycle, the right part of the property market, you're, you're, you're choosing your developer well, you know who the builder is, uh, has it got its planning, has it got the funding right? It's
1: Yeah, Dom, look, it's like everything else. You need to buy, you can buy an established property that's not off the plan and lose a lot of money if you buy the wrong thing, whether it's off-plan or registered or on-plan or whatever, it's not going to make a difference. And if you buy a great asset, whether it's registered or off-plan, it doesn't matter. So what matters is the underlying thing that you're buying, who is delivering this, where we are in the cycle. Off-plan, as you said, works well when property prices are rising because you can get in today and by the time that the property is finished, the market should have moved in your favor. And when that happens, you're getting in and, and riding the market. You don't wanna be buying off plan at the top of the market and we're definitely not at the top of the market. In fact, I believe we are now in the f- what we call the foothills of the next property
0: boom. So it's interesting. One thing is to look at where, if you're buying in the foothills, if you're buying in the downturn. Now buying, if, Arguably near the bottom of the market. It may not be the exact bottom, or we've already passed the bottom. But if it's near the bottom, Mm. it's a safer investment. You can say with a little bit of optimism that the future looks brighter, the future looks better. Now, when you've got nearly all the major banks now saying that there's going to be 9, 10, 12, 15% growth over the next 12 and 24 months, it's probably the times we're looking at off the plan. Now, the other way that you can compound the benefit or compound the growth is by picking a good development, but then also picking a sensational area. That's an area that has all the right dynamics. And just to, to make it more simple and to try and distill it in its most simplest form, have a look at areas that are going to get better over time. You know, I'll, I'll tell you a little hint now. One area that we really like is Marrickville. Mm. Another area that we like is around the airport. There are a number of opportunities out there where you can see a train station, a new school or something more dramatic like a big shopping centre is going to change the way people engage and interact in that area. And if you believe that demand is going to increase and the supply is going to be the same or relatively stagnant, you should see property growth.
1: Yeah, so I think, you know, with off-plan, it's a great strategy for a rising market. I think let's talk about the bad stuff, right? Like let's get them out of the way because people listening or watching this would have probably heard the horror stories that Dom spoke about. You don't want to buy off-plan at the top of the market. That's the first no-no. You don't want to buy off-plan from someone that doesn't have a history of delivering off-plan in a great way. Mm. So if they've built rubbish in the past, they're probably going to build rubbish in the future. You don't want to buy off plan from a brand that doesn't have integrity or doesn't have a track record.
0: Reputational risk.
1: You want to stay clear of top market, bad areas, people that are new in the market that haven't done this before. And then if you take all the don'ts, you can flip them. And as Dom said, they become the do's, buying great areas from teams that have built tens, tens, hundreds, thousands of apartments or homes previously off plan. They, they take their brand seriously. They take their Google reviews seriously. You know who's running these businesses. They have a board. They have shareholders they're accountable to because they're probably going to take the little thing serious. They're going to want you to make money, they're not going to want you to lose money because they care about the next pipeline of projects that they're delivering. And what I tell people is, Dom, every property was once off plan. Yeah, exactly right. Everything was always brand, Everything that you see was once brand new and before it was built, there were plans. So it's not a new thing. It's not a scary thing. It's a thing to be cautious of, but it's an opportunity equally if you know how to utilise
0: it. So that's, that's the big fear factors. People bought properties off plan in 2017. They settled in 2019, 2020. And they're worth less than what they paid for it. The mm. market slumped 15%. They overpaid. They bought product that was in markets that weren't rising. Or flooded with stock. Or from developers that were new entrants or hadn't done it before. Now, this would be daunting if it was your first time. Yeah. It would be very difficult for you as a purchaser that's by yourself to do it all yourself. But if you're working with a team of people, I'm not saying just us... There are a lot of good businesses out there um, that can help you. And as Peter said, more importantly, Google Review, we live and die by reviews. Yeah. You know, it just takes one or two negative reviews and that'll start giving you an honest feedback. Peter doesn't look for good reviews when he's going to restaurants. <laughs> he looks for tell the them, shitty ones. Tell him my trick, my Google review hack. Yeah, like you look for the one stars, the two stars, because they're the ones that are telling you, well, is it a disgruntled patient that was just, you know, annoyed that day or. Is it genuine? Was were, were the waiters slow? Was the food shitty? Was it overpriced? You want to hear the bad stuff.
1: Yeah, that's right. If someone's giving a Google review one star because the screw was loose on their kitchen door, um, yet they've made 100 grand, 150 grand by buying that investment, we're not losing sleep. If you have a whole heap of Google reviews because people overpaid, they bought a horrible product, the thing wasn't on time, there's something there. And you usually don't see that from the big brands because if the big brands did that, They wouldn't be in business. No. They wouldn't have been able to build what they've built. And if they've made mistakes in the past, um, everyone makes mistakes. Businesses go through different growth phases, but they improve and they learn. And I think that's why it's important to really work with a team that has a research system in place uh, like we do. And we look for these things and we investigate them. And, you know, Off Plan's a great opportunity, but... It's like a Ferrari. If you don't drive it carefully, you can crash. Ferraris aren't bad because people die in them. It's the drivers that don't know how to use them that force the accidents.
0: So long and short, it's an investment tool. We were not recommending people going and buying long-term off-the-plan investments a couple of years ago. We now are. We are, yeah. And Dom, you've made money on off-plan, right? I've made hundreds of thousands on off-the-plan.
1: Well, we're saying it because it's worked. We've bought off-plan and it's worked really well for us and that's why we believe in it.
0: Yeah, so we're telling you to do things that we do ourselves Um, and again, it's not appropriate for everybody but there's certainly an opportunity there Um, and and the investment growth aside, I do want to say there's one other thing that I like about Off The Plan at the moment. There are developers out there and we say this often that will take a 5% deposit which means that you can go buy a $700,000 asset, you can put 35K in now and then pay 35K or $35,000 in about 12 months time. So for someone that's out there saving good money, it's an opportunity for get into the investment now, get some of that growth and save your way to that deposit that you need. Yeah, and I think
1: the the, the premise there is that by the time it finishes, if I've got a high degree of of confidence that I can settle on it that I'll be in a strong situation if my life circumstances change maybe I can lease it out turn it into a different type of asset live in it I've got a house I can sell and you know it's look at the range of different options and it's a great way as Dom says to be saving into an investment rather than trying to save your deposit and then trying to get into the market while the assets while the markets move
0: 20% yeah exactly right so so you want to talk about the missing middle? The missing middle. The missing middle. So the missing middle is a term that was thrown around a couple of years ago where the government identified that, in particular in Australia, there's two different types of properties that were being built the most. There were apartments, high-rises, and then there were brand-new homes, low-rise. Now, the missing middle is effectively that space between the two, and that's townhouses, Now we think that townhouses represent a very interesting opportunity because townhouses are typically developed in low density uh, areas. That means that you've got very limited supply in that area. You're cutting up two, three, four houses and rather than doing 50, 60 or 100 apartments, you're doing 10, 20 townhouses. So what you're doing is a very limited supply and it bridges that gap for people that wanna be a little bit closer to the city. They want a little bit of land content, but also they don't want all the hassle of a big block of land, having to go through a build process. It's, it's the missing middle. This is what's happening.
1: Yeah, houses can become a little bit of a pain in the ass as an investment, unless you're buying something new. Um, if you buy an older house, they usually have legacy issues. Um, I've so got to get Charlotte
0: on the show and <laughs> talk about some of
1: her. We'll get Charlotte to come in and, and share her <laughs> stories. And we've, we've seen endless stories of people buying houses because it's a smart investment strategy, yet they buy a house that's old and with it comes cash flow problems. And, and what happens, Don, what I've seen is you, you might buy a house that's a good investment strategy, but if you've got that pain in the ass every three months, mm. what happens is you basically start getting fed up Yep. And you're probably like, this is too hard, I'm just going to sell it. There's a little bit of profit on the table and you sell it. Whereas the missing middle, you're buying something that's in between an apartment and a house. You're probably able to buy something brand new mm. for the same budget. You can buy something that can literally sit there as a set and forget, grow its way and not have to worry about renovations, maintenance. ...and all that stuff. And if you have a look at homes in different countries... ...you know, in Australia our houses are quite large... ...which is an anomaly. It's not the usual thing. Um, And so townhomes and and townhouses and the missing middle... ...is really moving in line with the rest of the world... ...and an awesome investment... ...because you can
0: remove that pain of having, you know, an old house. And the good thing is for people that don't like strata... ...they don't like overheads... ...townhouses have got very little strata... And for that little amount of strata, they're taking care of everything. Um, And then again, the other good thing about townhouses is you typically do get to buy them closer to where train stations are. You know, townhouses is that space where you still want walkability. That means that you still want to be able to leave your front door, you know, lock up and then walk down the road and hit the shops where a lot of housing estates don't have that that layer of, um, you know, amenity and convenience. You just reminded me, we have to do
1: a podcast episode on (laughs) why Strata's the best. Okay. (laughs) That's a discussion for another day. But That just reminded me about, um, you know, getting someone else to run your property for you and pay them a tax-effective fee so that you can get on with your life and, and do, you know, everything else that you do during the day. But I completely agree with you, man. I think it's an awesome missing middle segment and it's
0: growing and the demand there is really hot at the moment. And I love it, just another reason why I like it, sorry I keep on harping on about it, um, is there are some really bright, good developers that have been around a while that are putting out some beautiful stock Mm. in good strategic locations. Um, And the other thing that's just, it's eluding me right now, but, ah, it's, it's, this, it's the the size of these estates. Yeah. So, you know, you're, you're buying in a little community. You're buying in a space where you haven't got many in your streets. So there's less moving parts. Um, and we're noticing that it's a good transitional piece of real estate where if you're thinking about your exit strategies or the people that are going to rent or effectively buy it, A townhouse really hits the bill of many, many different types of people. Have you ever noticed that when you drive into an estate
1: and all the houses are nice and well-maintained, that feeling Mm. that you get, it just aesthetically feels nice? and i know because my parents have lived in newington which is the old sydney olympic village yeah for for a while now and it's newington's popular because for those of you that don't know it it was basically the village that they built in 2000 to house all the athletes and they turned it into a housing estate and they sold those apartments and you drive into newington and everything is nice clean similar and the prices there have have always outperform the neighbouring suburbs where you have an odd house here and a different coloured house there. You can build a mansion and if your next door neighbour has yellow facade and, and you know... Um,
0: an you engine can, block sitting on bricks at the front <laughs> line. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah. What does that do to your street, right? Yeah. Whereas you buy into a master plan townhouse development... Covenants. It's consistent. It's clean. People will always want to live and rent there and pay a premium over something that is
0: is not as nice. So townhouses, that's another tip. We're looking at townhouses, get involved. Prime yields. Yeah. um, We've got a lot to talk about with prime yields.
1: Yeah, I was talking to Dan, um, one of our investment specialists last week, and he was telling me how he's got clients asking about high yielding investments, and I said, high yields are the worst. You want to buy something that's a low yield. And it was like, yeah, that makes sense. And I think there's a misconception out there in the market. People want high yield, high yield. I want a property that's yielding me 6 7%. But the best assets have the lowest yields. Government bonds. So when a government goes and borrows money, governments are seen as the less riskiest borrower in the world. And investors lend to governments at the lowest rates. Um, today, Australia is able to borrow at, you know, less than half a percent. That's why interest rates have come down. Um, They're the best assets. You look at the most expensive property in Sydney, Melbourne, Canberra, Brisbane, and they have the lowest yields. And so a, a low yield is because the asset is expensive. Yep. And it's expensive for a reason, because people want it and it's high quality. So don't fall into the trap of buying something that's a high yield or giving you a
0: high return because it's probably likely to be crap. So there's a lot to unpack there. I think where this, 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 this narrative is coming from from us is we have a lot of clients that are chasing yields. Now when they're chasing yields and they haven't got a good budget, they tend to have to forego things and they have to take bigger risks. Mm have to take bigger risks in area so they end up in areas that have low population or dependent upon one or two industries or they're leasing out to um, less than desirable tenants or they start to skimp on the quality of the build or they use unqualified or dodgy or shoddy builders or trade trades people. so the chasing for a yield or the the chasing to to pay the least amount of money to get the most amount of rent makes them do unnecessary risks there are,
1: yeah 100% there are two ways to make money in property and any investment there's there's you buy an asset and you want to buy something that you have a high degree of certainty that you can sell into the future and get more than what you paid. That's called capital growth. So you buy a house in Sydney 20 years ago for 400 grand and today you sell it for 1.1. You've made 700 grand. Then there's also yield. This is the return you get every year um, from people paying you rent. Now, usually what happens in the market, if you buy an investment that has high return every year, that has high yield, it's probably not going to have... That capital growth mm. that you'd get in a better market. If you buy the best, uh, the, the, in the best markets, like, say, for example, Inner Sydney or the Inner West, they grow by a lot, but they don't give you that, that high annual yield. So, what Dom's saying is you want to buy those that have a good blend between the two. You don't just want to go for something out in whoop whoop that's going to give you that high yield but it's not going to grow
0: in 20 years time it's the same price or maybe even less that's right, right. so you know what we're stressing to clients now and this is going to lead into our next topic is interest rates are at an all-time low so we want to be buying good quality assets in good markets we don't want to cut corners We wanna make sure that we're getting enough cash flow to cover your debt, to cover your expenses before and sometimes, and and certainly after tax. But if you're going for yield, you don't wanna be doing it today, you wanna be doing it later. And what I mean by that is if you're a first or second time investor, the way that we think about it is you wanna be getting good capital growth assets that have enough cash flow to cover the costs but then, when you've got money, when you've got a good um, balance sheet, you've got a, a solid foundation. Then go do yield properly. Let's go for assets that are going to make you twenty thousand dollars net, thirty thousand net, not five thousand dollars. Yeah,
1: I want to make fifty grand a year off my investment, and I'll forego that fifty bucks a week extra. You know that that fifty dollars a week is two and a half grand a year um, for me. I want the 50 Gs.
0: That's exactly right.
1: Particularly in a rising market like this, because as we said earlier, we're on the cusp, we're on the foothills of the next boom. And if you buy the wrong thing now, it's going to be shattering because everything is going to move and you're going to sit back and say,
0: oh, I could have bought. How many times have we heard that? Coulda, shoulda, woulda. You you chose the boat with a hole in the, the hull. When all the other boats are rising, you're in this shitty little dinghy that's like... Because it was cheap. It was cheap.
1: The guy who sold it to you sold it at a cheap price for a reason. Jenny, let's put up the um, interest rate chart because I think that's what you want to talk
0: about next. Interest rates. So here's a chart
1: that Jenny's putting up now, which is interest rates going back 700
0: years. So we're at all-time lows. I think... You know, you've you've probably heard it from professionals, from the news, from friends at the barbecue. Um, It's an interesting time now. You know, not just I'm feeling like an old person, not just because of the grays in my beard, (laughs) but because I can now say I remember when interest rates were, you know, seven, eight percent, and then I know that some people that are older than me listening saying I remember when it was eighteen percent or sixteen percent, but now it's two percent. It's, it's nearly free. It's free money. It is. It's free money. And,
1: and I remember, so the best analogy I, I, I use is when my, my dad was born in 1951 and he started his working life in like the 70s um, and the 80s. And my, my parents' trajectory, when they started working and making money, interest rates were going through the roof and they peaked at 17, 18% here in Australia in the 80s um, when a lot of our parents' generation were in their prime wealth-building phase. And so to their generation, it made sense to steer away from debt and save, right? Buy a house, pay 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 it down, debt is bad, bad, bad. I'm born 84, and if you have a look at the chart, ever since I was born, interest rates have been collapsing. So my reality is different to my parents' generation reality. Today, I'm getting free money. They didn't enjoy that luxury. No. Which means my investment strategy has to be very, very different.
0: Fundamentally different. I cannot stress enough, go and fucking buy some property. I don't care if it's from wealthy. I don't care, you know, how you go about it. I really, really want you to go out there, do your research, but make sure you're going and buying good assets. Go and get debt. Make sure that you're doing it responsibly. You're getting, you know, you understand how you're getting involved into the market, but you can effectively go and get money so, so cheap and go and buy good quality assets Um, I don't know how much longer it's going to be like this. Maybe a while. So
1: maybe someone's watching this and saying, okay, you just want them to buy a property because you're in the real estate business, right? Now, now, let's say you don't want to buy property. Yeah. You're sitting on cash, right? And let's assume you don't buy property. What do you buy? Because if you have money sitting in a term deposit, Hmm. you are lucky today if in Australia you can get an interest rate above 0.5%. Yeah. And then you have to pay tax on it. So if you don't want to buy property, what can you buy? You can go and buy shares. And if you do go and buy shares, we all know, we know because we came out of that space that the share market is like a casino. So you better, you, you better have all the information, do all the research, be smarter than everybody else, find a great fund manager, find the right stocks, not be caught short, make sure another pandemic doesn't hit and everyone freaks out and so on. If you can do that, great, go and do it. Or you're going to go do an index fund. You go to an index fund Which and basically fine. be parked there and it's hard to borrow. So you're going to put all your savings into something and if you got 50 grand, you're probably going to go and buy 50 grand and if that grows by 10% per annum, you're growing your- You
0: you're, made five grand. You made five grand. Congratulations. Right? Which is better than sitting in cash. Absolutely. That's a solution for you. And just hope that one of the CEOs or one of the companies in that index fund hasn't done something creepy. the share price takes a year that's
1: right you make that five grand and then you're going to pay tax on it every year which is great tax is important the country needs it Um, then what are your other options you can go and start a business the worst fun but hard (laughs) the worst businesses are probably the ones that most people want to start which are food businesses I'm going to go and set up a restaurant and you know I'm going to get 10,000 Instagram followers and everyone's going to buy my burgers horrible time to be starting retail Retail, a food business, very,
0: very hard. You can go and buy cryptocurrencies. Can I just say on that, the people uh-huh. that are starting businesses, I'd, I'd, I absolutely encourage people to go do it. It's one of the most fulfilling things you'll do. However, um, I think there's a lot of sense in buying an asset or if you mm. can, go and buy an asset before you start a business. Um, and the reason why I say this is because me having had assets and you having had assets made this journey harder at the beginning, but much better along the way. Because for many years, prepared not to basically make any money. Yep. And you're not going to be buying assets. It's easier for your employees to go get debt than it is for you for a long time. That's true. So um, if you are thinking about a business, make sure you go buy an asset. I'd suggest go buy an asset first. Make sure that it covers its costs. And then... Go hell for leather. At least that'll look after itself. Jenny,
1: that's the that's the soundbite. That's the uh, the prime clip, prime advice from Dom. There that if you're starting a business, you want to get your assets first. So let's say you, you you do want to go and start that business. We've spoken about that. You can go and buy cryptocurrencies. Good luck with that. Okay, you can go and buy Bitcoin and and whatever. Great. If Bitcoin goes from fifteen thousand to twenty thousand, you've made a little bit of money. But then how else? Do you build? There's no income out of that. How else do you build wealth? How else do you get you know, a tax incentive every year on the, on the income that you're paying, for example? Um, how else do you build that? And again, you come back to residential real estate. It's a great way, particularly in countries like Australia, where you can go and borrow money from the banks because they want to lend to you. Cost of debt.
0: Governments are throwing money at people to get into the market and it's only getting easier so i think you're going to hear a lot about interest rates from us but this is our top five investment ideas the 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 fundamental takeaway from interest rates is take advantage of them and go and buy an asset that's what we want to that's that's the falling note on this one here the next topic the last one Rent-vesting, we're going to do a whole series on this. We're going to have to dig really, really deep on this because um, it's 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 commonplace. People are aware of it. Um, I'm surprised by how many people that don't know about rent-vesting. Um, in its simplest term, for the people that are new, it's effectively saying go and buy something that you can afford, make it the best possible investment, and then rent where you want to live, Okay. Um, the Australian taxation system is, is geared in such a way that it's, it's better for you, if you have two properties that are side by side, it's better for you to buy this the one on, on the left and um, move into the one in the right and rent that one on the right because by doing that, um, all the interest on that property that you own, all the depreciation... Is tax deductible, lowering the amount of tax that you need to pay. Yep. So the the very long story short, rent vesting is an excellent strategy for many, many people out there to start building a portfolio, start from the ground up and don't worry about going and buying your dream home. Don't worry about your cousin that's gone and bought their McMansion you know,
1: out west and they live in their own home and you need to chase that, you know, chase that. The, the, um, what did Tony from Toga call it on, on one of our previous podcasts? The curse of comparison. Ah, oh, yeah. Right? Everyone wants to go and buy their own trophy home, live in it, furnish it so they can invite everybody around and say, I own this. It makes more sense to go, just as you're doing, man, just as, just as I'm doing, to go and... All the assets that you have are investments and go and rent your primary place of residence and the biggest reason people don't do this is culturally, Mm. I believe, because it's new and it doesn't make sense and I can't bring myself around to owning a property yet renting. I was talking to a friend um, who's a client actually over the weekend and he was asking me about his next move and I said, turn your home into an investment investment get that down pat, go and rent a beautiful home for you and your family where you want to live and be closer to work and then every single thing you buy afterwards should be an investment. And he said,
0: that makes so much sense, but just culturally. Culturally. My mum's part of that culture. She said, I'll never, rent, rent. I'll never rent. And that's fine. I mean, it doesn't suit everybody, but if you can get your head around it... (laughs) They grew up in a
1: different time. The game was different. They were paying different rates. They didn't have a tax system. They didn't have Uber and Airbnb and
0: all the things that today m- mean we can live in an agile way. Exactly. And I think flexibility, agility, being able to you know, move overseas if you want to, test different living situations, try living at the beach, try living in the city, try living on the water, try try different things. And the beauty of renting is that you can move. Um, you can still have security when you rent as well. But, but fundamentally, I think rent vesting is a fantastic strategy for people to get into the market, um, not overcomplicate that first step in. And um, look, I know that there's some of you out there that are builders, you know, part-time developers, and look, if you've got the skill sets and you want to go buy your own home, renovate it, flip it, make no tax or pay no tax, God bless. Worst thing ever. (laughs) Renovating. It's hard. It's really hard. And that's why I say you've got to have the time, you've got to have the money, you've got to have the skill sets, and you can make it work. Or if you don't have those things, prepare for a lot of pain.
1: Yeah, they say the worst, the the best way to ruin a relationship is to renovate um, a home, and a surefire way to get divorced is to build a home together. So that's because yeah. it's very hard and it's very challenging. And while you might save a few bucks financially, it takes such a toll on the other parts of your life when you could have been living at the beach and hanging out, you know, d- walking wherever in the bush or whatever whatever's your, your lifestyle choice, you could be doing that and making your investments work for you. That's a better way. I believe that's a better balance and that's you know, that's what we believe being wealthy is. It's not just about chasing every buck and scraping together and sacrificing everything. It's about having that balance and, you know, making the money and your investments work to fulfill what you want out of your lifestyle.
0: I, I I'm really am a lazy investor. You know, I, I like living what I think is a good quality life. I like to go out and have fun and, and enjoy time with my friends. I never wanted to be a slave to my investments. Um, and I find if you buy your own home, you find that people are become slaves to that property. mm you know, always in service to that debt, you know, paying it down as fast as they can, which is great. It's, it's, I encourage people to own their own homes or it at least buy something.
1: Yeah. The worst thing you can do is do nothing. Yeah. Then buy a place and spend the rest of your life paying it down and living in it. It's not tax effective. Then, you know, the rent vesting model. So we're not saying, you know, don't do anything, but staying in cash is the worst. The rent vesting is the optimal.
0: The yeah, best. I think it's the optimal way to go about it. It just takes a lot of pressure off you. You know, your idea of a dream property changes. Your first property is not your, not your dream property.
1: Before we wrap up, maybe, um, maybe if someone's listening and they're like, okay, give me an example. Give me a hypothetical. What sort of, how can you paint a hypothetical rent vesting situation in Sydney, for example, for someone that's got
0: hundred eighty grand in savings? That's the best 80 grand, you know, even 60, 70, 80,000 is great. Um, I would suggest that you, as a first home buyer, go and spend 600K. Go and buy something that is brand new. Get all the government incentives that you can. Um, go and get, you know, the first home buyer's grant, 10K. Don't pay any stamp duty. Um you know, maybe buy depending on what you like. You can buy something that's a two better. Buy the biggest, best thing that you can buy for 600k. Um, and if it's not that investment, then maybe go buy something that is a little further west or southwest and buy a house and land that's sub 750. Again, go and get maybe a builder bonus. Go and go and get all those incentives that you can, and then go and rent somewhere that you want. Yeah, invest. For 600 bucks to $800, if you can afford that with a friend or with your loved one, you can go and get something really, really nice. Like my home, I've got uninterrupted water views. I'm loving life at the moment. I, I, I'm a happier person because I live in an area that makes me happy. I've got the water. I've got the gym across the road. I can walk my puppy. I can get into work very quickly. All those civil conveniences change your life. Whereas if you're going to go buy a home, you're, you're going to be compensating. It's a big sacrifice just to say, yeah, I live
1: in my own home and, you know, comparing yourself to your sister-in-law who has that, you know, McMansion. Mm. Make the numbers and the lifestyle work for you and there's a lot more possibility uh, with 60, 80 grand in that strategy than trying to earn your way into a McMansion and it's a primary place of residence, somewhere that you probably don't want to live anyways.
0: I know a lot of you have got expensive tastes, and if you're sitting on eighty k, you're probably not going to be satisfied with that investment as your own home, and you're you're going to be you're going to be foregoing something.
1: You're probably going to buy something substandard from a quality perspective too. That's right. There's a lot of bad s- stuff on the market at the moment.
0: There's a lot of horrible things people are buying because they can just
1: scrape through and afford.
0: So do yourself a favour, learn a little bit more about rent vesting. I think it's an excellent strategy for you going into 2021. Um, that's our top five points. Check out off the plan, the missing middle. So townhouses are another excellent investment style. Prime yields, be conscious of the yield that you're getting and the investment that you're going after. Um, interest rates are at all time low. So make sure you do get into the market and rent vesting is a strategy. Listen to what he said and you'll be very, very happy. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for watching. If you like something, sub, uh, you know, subscribe to our show, send it to your friends, uh, keep an eye out for us and ask plenty of questions. Um, I look forward to meeting a lot of you. Thanks,
1: Tom. And if it doesn't make sense to anybody, if we've run through concepts today that people want to know more about, they can always, um, as you said, reach out, message, SMS us, jump on the website. There's an SMS number there and a real person will help guide you.